0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Apply Medic Podcast. If you're new here, my name is Chris. I'm a fifth-year medical student studying at the University of Edinburgh, and I'm also the founder of Apply Medic and the host of the Apply Medic Podcast. So today I've got another very special guest. Her name is Christina. Um, she is a medical student, an Instagrammer, and a YouTuber. And today we're going to discuss her journey. Going uh, through the medical school application process, her current experiences in medical school, and a bit more detail into how she started her YouTube and Instagram community. So, hi, Christina. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm really good, thank you.
0: Nice, that's good. So, uh, the, in the usual kind of fashion that we take in, in these kind of episodes, um, I'd I'd just like to to start by kind of asking you maybe to to give a bit more detail into uh, who you are and what you do for the audience, if that's okay.
1: Yeah so hi I'm Christina Elia, and I'm currently a third year medical student studying at Newcastle um, so yeah I study at Newcastle I've got a YouTube channel where I talk about a little bit of medicine a little bit of lifestyle um, I've started to branch out a little bit more recently um, I used to make a lot of like medicine interview UCAT videos mm-hmm. but um, yeah I do I do a bit more like lifestyle now.
0: Okay nice that sounds, that sounds nice and varied so we'll get into a bit more detail about the the Instagram and YouTube side of things a bit later on in the podcast, um, but I, I'd first like to like to start by getting an understanding of your journey into medical school, um, because as we kind of found in in the previous episodes so far, there's there's definitely a lot of variety in terms of the routes that you can take into medicine. We've had some graduates um, that have you know worked before or done a degree before, and some that have went straight from secondary school into medical school. Um, so could you maybe give a little timeline into um, what what your particular journey was into medical school?
1: Yes, yeah, so I'd say mine was fairly straightforward. So I um, I kind of went straight from A levels, basically. I um, did my GCSEs at 16. I'd say I got fairly average grades. I get asked by quite a lot of people. So I, I always know that people want to know. Um, I got 5A stars, 5As and 2Bs. I think it was fairly average at the time. I think that's probably gone up a bit more now. I think people probably get higher grades nowadays. Um and then yeah, I did the trip the typical three A levels, maths, biology, and chemistry. Um, mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to do medicine from like GCSE time. I have always kind of wanted to do to do medicine. I don't really know why because I don't have any like doctors in my family or anything like that. Um but yeah, I went into my A levels wanting to do medicine. So I knew all about like the UCAT, the BMAT, and I knew about like about the MMIs that would come up eventually. Um, I eventually applied so in year 13 I applied for Newcastle, Liverpool, Plymouth and Sunderland I, I visited all of them at open day so I liked all of them and I liked the style of courses that they did and the campus and stuff um but my heart was set on Newcastle for like the longest time um okay. I think in year 12 I went to like an open like not really an open day it was more like I think a discovery day just for medicine. It wasn't like an open day for other courses. Um, but it was kind of like a taste day where you get to like spend time with medical students and do like medicine stuff and find out what medicine is like. Um, and yeah, I think ever since that, I really like Newcastle. So I always had my heart set on that. Um, and then interviews came around some I, I only went to two of my interviews I got four in total which was I felt really lucky to get four um, I only I only ended up going to two and um, the first one was Sunderland and that didn't really go go that well I remember I think I was just really nervous on the day mm-hmm. I'd had a, I'd had like a couple of mock ones beforehand but um yeah on the day I was just really really nervous and it didn't go that well but thankfully my second one which was Newcastle went really really well um, and then I was really lucky. I got my offers back really quickly. I think a couple of weeks. I don't think it took that long. Um, and then because that was my first and second choice that I'd always wanted, I just straight away kind of put that through on UCAS. And then I didn't go to my other two interviews, which I know is a bit controversial. Like some people might have still gone to the other two, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, that, that's what I ended up doing. And then yeah, I did um, did my exams over the summer, and then yeah, got the grades.
0: Very nice. Wow. Not many people can say that they uh, they just not back to to mid mid-school interviews <laughs> because they've already gotten know, their first yeah. choice. So congrats, that, that's a really good position to be in. Um, mm-hmm. And I can only imagine how you felt at the
1: time. Yeah, I, I was literally over the moon when I got my offers through because it was literally Newcastle was always number one. And then Sunderland was like my number two. So when those came through, mm-hmm. I was just so, so happy. Um, yep. And yeah, I mean, this was kind of um, on in the second half of Year Twelve as well. This was after Christmas, like exams were coming up. So I didn't, I didn't know if I wanted to practice any more interviews or like spend time traveling all the way down to Plymouth because that's like opposite end of the country for me to do an interview that I wasn't really going to put through as a, on UCAS. So I just thought probably best to not go.
0: Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it, there's a couple of other interesting things there that I wanted to to dive into uh, a bit deeper Uh, the first was you deciding that you wanted to do medicine even though you didn't have any medicine directly within the family um to to kind of use that to enthuse you about the career and actually make you um you know think about it in the first place so did it really just come out of nowhere was there no kind of moment or collection of moments that that actually kind of led you down that path to wanting to become a doctor
1: yeah it's a good question because I was thinking like because I, I knew this this podcast was coming up and I have I had a feeling that question would would come up as well I can't really think of a moment where like I decided medicine was was right for me I don't know I've just always <laughs> kind of I've always kind of wanted to do it Um it is strange because I have no one in my family who does medicine I do have a couple of like nurses and like both my parents are pharmacists so maybe it maybe okay. it was that um, right. I just remember when I did my work experience I, I was really lucky I got um two hospital like placements I know it's really tricky to get mm-hmm. those but um when I did them I was just like it confirmed it for me like this is really what I wanted to do like I could really see myself there um so yeah my work experience kind of like confirmed it but I've always just had a feeling I don't know why
0: okay that's really interesting um and so with regards to your work experience, how did you go about organising that? Was that like officially through the NHS or um, did you did you kind of get work experience through any other means?
1: Um, so I knew that you, so I just applied online. I had to look online for like local work experience, like in the hospitals near me. And I just, it was just like an online form. So I just filled them out and it took a few months. Like it, it did take quite a while, but um, I eventually heard back and I just kind of sorted it through that.
0: Okay. Okay. And how was your your work experience for you? Did you think that did it give you a realistic insight into kind of what what medicine is actually like? Does it kind of play up with what your expectations were then compared to what they are now with you being a couple of years into your uh, medical school career?
1: Yeah, I'd say yeah, I'd say it met my expectations. It it was pre-COVID, so there there wasn't any like face masks or anything, and like visitors could yeah. come in and out like uh, almost any time. But I remember I realised on my work experience that it's a lot more admin and a lot more like paperwork than you than you'd expect. um And I, I'd say that like applies now, like when I'm on the wards shadowing doctors and stuff. It's just a lot of like typing up notes and like documenting things. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: okay, that makes sense. And so. I want to. You didn't specifically mention it there, but I I want to kind of ask you a bit more about probably one of the most intimidating aspects of the the, the medical school application process, or at least um, the most tricky the, the the most tricky to the most tricky thing to get your head around, um, which is the admissions test. So, uh, like UCAT or or BMAT, for instance. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what admissions tests the the universities that you apply for. Um, have uh, as part of their application process. Um, what admissions tests did you do and, and how did you kind of find them and how did you prepare uh, for them personally?
1: Yeah, so all my university just asked for the UCAT, thankfully. At the time it was called okay. the UK CAT. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I I intentionally applied to only UCAT unis. Like, I didn't want to do the BMAT. It sounded really, really hard. And it was also, it overlaps with um, year 13 as well. So, you have you have to, like, study for year 13 exams while studying for the BMAT. I just felt like it was mm-hmm. quite a lot. Um, and I wasn't really keen on, like, Oxbridge or, like, Leeds or anything like that. I didn't want to apply to any BMAT unis um I remember I just revised for over the summer I think I had my UCAP planned for like end of August so I had all of summer to revise and I just used Medify which I think most people still use now yeah it, it wasn't that expensive back back then I think it was only 20 pounds 25 pound but it's I think a bit more now
0: yeah <laughs> yeah Medify was the was the, the the main resource that I used um mm. when when I was doing UCAP prep I did go I think I went to to one of the like the in-person courses. I can't remember exactly who it was run by, um, mm. but I, I feel like from those kind of courses in particular, I mean, i found that, that I can kind have of got most of the techniques through um, just doing repetition uh, yeah. of all, as many questions as I, as I could and, and just trying to find what kind of techniques through experimentation, worked for me. Mm. Um, and so I feel like actually just doing... Spatial repetition, active recall and just kind of attrition for the the UCAT questions um, is, well, it personally is what I found uh, the the most beneficial for me. Um, I don't know if that was going to be the same for you. Did, did you do a lot of questions when you prepared?
1: Yeah, I did a lot of questions. I, it's tricky because I kind of think that I revised too much for the UCAT. Like I people always say how you can kind of like peak too early or, you know, you don't want to revise... For too long like I think people always recommend like four weeks or five weeks mm-hmm. I probably did a bit longer than that and I think on reflection I I don't know I, I kept track of like my scores and they were very up and down so I don't know if I did peak too early or, or if I was just like unlucky on the day but um I definitely got like slightly lower in the real thing than I did on like my practice questions so. okay and yeah practicing the questions was what helped me the most though rather than like because okay. I watched a few videos and stuff I didn't do any like courses yeah. or anything but practicing is what helped me the most
0: okay And would you have done anything differently if you were to do the UCAT again? Or do you Mm. think you would have prepared in the same way?
1: Uh, That's a good question. I think I maybe would have revised a little bit less. I know that's strange, but I think I probably did more like two months of revision rather Mm -hmm. than six weeks, four weeks. And I think that's what people recommend. So I, I think I was a bit anxious. I was really nervous about it and I wanted to do a lot and try and revise as much as I could. But I probably should have done a bit less, I think.
0: Okay that makes sense I mean it's it's something that I hear quite often actually because I mean you you care so much about the application and you care so much about yeah. getting into medical school and you want to just prepare as much as possible but I think actually it's 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 very important to actually be tactical in the way that you do it and make sure that you're not burning yourself out and and actually yeah. pay attention to your own body and your own mind um because it's it's only going to be detrimental to you if you burn yourself out right before the exam. So I think actually mm-hmm. being strategic with it and building a timeline where you know that everything's manageable and achievable is is probably one of the most important things um in terms of actual UK cap prep. Yeah. So you you mentioned the the universities that you that you applied to and that you you visited all of them and you you liked the campus and and you liked the kind of the kind of general um, vibe that you got when you when you visited them for the open days, was there anything more? Was there anything more kind of strategic with with your choice of medical schools? Mm-hmm. Like, did you apply to your? Did you analyse the way that they assess the medical school applications for those universities and apply to your strengths, or was it predominantly because you liked? See just the course structure or the campus or was it a bit of both
1: um yeah I, I definitely I'd say it's a bit of both actually I, I'm sure I've mentioned in the video a really long time ago but my strategy was kind of I applied to three universities that I, I met all the requirements for I was quite confident mm-hmm. that I'd get an interview because I'd got like I'd gone on the website and had a look what GCSEs you need what UCAT score roughly like what previous scores in the past were um and then, yeah, I, I picked three that I thought I'll definitely I'll definitely get an interview, hopefully, if I meet all the requirements, um, which I checked. And then I applied to one, my fourth option, which was a bit more risky. Like I didn't think that it, it and that fourth option was Newcastle, the one I really wanted to go to. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't think that I would get an interview because my UCAT was quite low and Newcastle's known for having like really high UCAT scores. So that was the more risky one. But I felt comfortable applying there because I had three other options that were a bit more safe. And sometimes okay. when people are asking for tips on applying, I always say that try and just apply to three that are like safe, as, as safe as possible, and um, that you meet the requirements for, and then one that's a bit more like, like um, aspirational.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Um, and uh, yeah, that's. I think that's definitely the, the same kind of strategy that that I took, uh, at least in theory, uh, with the medical schools that that I applied to. There's, I think, if you've if you've worked that longly applied to medical school in the first place you might as well just kind of go on a limb and uh apply or just aspirational you think well there's maybe a slight chance that I could get it um and yeah yeah, like the absolute top um so yeah there's absolutely no harm in 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 going for that so that's fine I I, what wanted to go into next was probably something that's a bit more relevant to medical students right now in the application process uh you know just before christmas and after christmas kind of january february time as well um is the the actual interviews themselves so you you went to two medical school interviews could you maybe go into a bit more detail if possible um about youth experiences and how you prepared for each of those interviews
1: yeah so i got my interviews i think I got them quite late so both of my interviews I think were in December I remember a lot of my friends had gotten theirs beforehand and I was getting a little bit anxious because some people had interviews in like November it was really really early for some people but it's just so random If, if you've heard back late it's not a bad thing it's not because you're not as good as people who've heard back earlier um but I remember when I got my um, interviews through, I did some practice um questions with like my teachers. They were they were quite nice. So they organized um a mock MMI for a bunch of us because there's quite a few of us that applied for medicine. So there was enough to kind of do like seven different stations. So we practiced that I think once or twice. Um and a friend of mine had given me her old MMI book. Um so then I used that at home to practice with my mum. Sometimes I just did lots of practice questions. I think I watched some videos as well. Um, and then yeah, I had my interviews um, in December. The Sunderland one, just I think I, I think I was just really really anxious because I prepared a lot and I was really prepared for like all the ethics questions, all the, like the like asking about teamwork, asking about communication. Like I was prepared for everything like that. I think I was just really anxious on the day. Um, but then my Newcastle one, <clears throat> I think because I'd had. The Sunderland one already done, and I kind of experienced it. I knew what to expect, so that so that one went a lot better, which was nice.
0: Okay, that's good. And in the interviews, did it go relatively smoothly in both of them, or were there were the were the barriers that you faced along the way um, during the interviews um, that you had to kind of overcome? Were there any particular moments like
1: that? Yeah, so in the Suns one, I remember there was a question, like, it it was a weird station, it was kind of like you watch a video and then after that you answer some questions and I remember uh, you weren't allowed to, like, touch the screen or anything and I just, I didn't really understand what was going on in the video, like, it was a very strange topic and then I just felt really emotional, I was getting really anxious and it just, yeah, it it was just, it was just a mess really, I think, I think because it was something unpredictable and I hadn't prepared for it, I think that's why I felt, so like I'm prepared to answer the question
0: so mm-hmm. yeah okay and was that halfway through the interview or, or was that um kind of at the end yeah. like did you have many stations after that
1: I think I had two or three yeah so it was kind okay. of in the middle
0: okay and so but that that's that's always quite tricky actually when when you're in a, a, a medical interview and something like that happens especially if it's kind of in the middle of things when mm-hmm. it, as you said you kind of your emotions kind of start to heighten, and you you start to feel quite anxious, and you start to feel quite flustered. And for a lot of people, especially at that age, um, it, it can be very difficult to actually be able to control those emotions, and and then just kind of carry forward in, in a in a professional way and not let those emotions get the better of you. What what was your kind of how did you cope with that when when you started feeling those emotions during that station?
1: Um, I think so they gave us bottles of water There was kind of so that the stations were kind of in a circle or like a like a square i'd say and in the middle there was like a table with some water so i tried to have like a drink of water um it was really cold which was nice that kind of helped. and I try. you get a minute beforehand to kind of read the questions so i think yeah. i probably gave myself less time to read and just take a few deep breaths and just try and okay. like calm down again and then i kind of read the question thankfully it was quite a short one um so yeah i tried to just get my nerves under control ready for the next question Okay,
0: that's good. And if you were to do anything differently in from the, the the med school interview side of things, either either the way that you prepared beforehand, or um, your mentality going into the interview, or how you uh, handled any particular stations, is there anything that that you would that you would have changed if you could have done it again?
1: I'd say probably just yeah as you said work on my mentality and I think my mindset going into it because I think that's a perfect example of how you can prepare as much as you want for like the actual thing you can prepare as much as Mm -hmm. you want for the interview but if your mindset's not in the right place it might mess things up a little bit so I probably would have maybe I don't know tried to work on like you know where my head is at like trying to just keep calm under like under pressure if that makes sense um maybe like meditating a bit, like mindfulness, just trying to like yeah. take control of my anxiety a bit more. That would have helped, I think. Okay.
0: Right. So that is everything that I wanted to ask in terms of the whole kind of medical school application side of things. Uh, what year of medicine are you in at the moment,
1: Christina? I'm in third year.
0: Third year. Okay. And it's uh, what, five, five years in Newcastle? Yeah,
1: five years. From, you can make five it years. six if you intercalate
0: but yeah, five. Okay. Are you planning on intercollating? No, I don't think
1: so. I not
0: think no. it's for okay.
1: me. <laughs> nice. Are, um, so, are you
0: intercollating? Do you think you will? Or? Uh, so I, I'm a postgrad medical student, so I did a oh, degree okay. before I came into medicine. And so, uh, no, absolutely no way. I'm not uh, doing another uh, honours degree uh, during medical school. I, I've yeah. got one I do not need to. You've
1: already got one, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah and, and I did a master's in anatomy um before oh, coming cool. into medical school as well um okay. so that
1: would have yeah, helped lot, um, I think with examples. yeah
0: it, it it does actually because you you realize that in medical school I, I don't know if they do dissection or prosection at We've got your prosection. medical school Prosections, yeah. so that's the same at, at Edinburgh Uni for medicine and okay. I, I feel like now that i've done the masters we did uh, full dissection so we had one cadaver between four students for the whole year and we dissected uh region by region of the body and although it is very time consuming and if you're wanting to become a gp or if you you know want to go into internal medicine or whatever yeah it is important but it's not as important uh or that kind of directly directly applicable um to day-to-day life uh Unless you're wanting to go into surgery, which is something that I know I definitely want to do. So um, mm-hmm. I, I just thought that, yeah, it was too good of an opportunity to pass up, really. Uh, so that's why I did that. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, it, dissection definitely just consolidates everything so much more than pro-section. Um, really? Yeah, I, I mean, because it's like a it, it's like a it's like a journey when when you're you're doing full dissection because you're 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 starting with you know say the the upper limb and you have to say find um all the like the roots
1: divisions
0: oh, yeah, um, true.
1: Uh, those are so difficult to learn all the insertions know, the attachments, they're so hard
0: exactly like in like you know say like all the aspects of the the brachial plexus for instance and oh my god it's, it's not just it's not just there you know, in front of you for you to to look and see and appreciate. Actually, you have to go on the journey of dissection through, uh, dissecting through, you know, from the, the, the skin and the, the kind of, the 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 adipose tissue uh, on top to then go through the muscle look underneath and then just dissect through everything to eventually find it and and you're actually seeing exactly where the courses uh you know through the body mm. because you're just stripping things back layer by layer so you actually develop a lot more of a kind of three-dimensional appreciation of anatomy when when you do it like that and um, obviously it's it's not it's not the best for everyone depending on what special you want to go into but i think if you're considering something like surgery um it's it's absolutely crucial and you you also uh, begin to use all the anatomical terminology like a second language because you just use Mm -hmm. it all the time so especially in theater um in surgical theater it it just becomes so beneficial um at least that's that's the experience that i've had so far but anyway we're getting off topic (laughs) Um, but you we can come back to that if you want. I know, I know. Um, yeah, the the just the the You've excitement an starts to come well. out. I do have an anatomy, but oh, I know it's a shame this is in podcast form. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, I've got two, yeah. two 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 anatomy posters in the background as well, and the stethoscope mm-hmm. hanging on the other side. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: so yeah, I've got the full I've got the full kind of the professional backdrop going here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but you're in year right now. And so you're quite, um, you know, you're you've you're a significant way through medical school at the moment. And so how how's things been for you right now in medical school?
1: Yeah, it's do you know what? It's gone by so quickly. Like I, whenever I realise I am in third year, like I can't believe how quickly it's gone. Like I remember, I remember freshers week. Like I remember coming in and like meeting people for the first time pre-COVID, it was so different, because I remember being in, like, lecture theatres properly, and I, I think people have actually back in lecture theatres, to be fair, but, um, yeah, I can't believe how quickly it's gone, it's definitely been up and down, I think that's the same for everyone, really, like, doing, like, any, any medical, call, or any, any degree, really, it's going to be up and down, um, yeah, but yeah, it's been overall really, really good, and I'm, I'm really lucky, because I actually really enjoy just studying anything medically related, like, regardless of what speciality I'm in, or what, like, placement I'm on, like, I just really enjoy it, so, even though it is really difficult sometimes, and like the workload is just unbelievable sometimes, I feel really lucky because I just enjoy learning about it. So yeah,
0: definitely. Uh, I think that's really nice. And actually, I, I think that that brings up quite a good point actually, because a, a lot of people, at least, have asked me um, about whether or not they'll be able to cope with, say, the the, the amount of time that you need to spend revising. And studying the content, and you spend, and you know, the reality is you do spend so many hours uh, trying to to learn all of this stuff because, you know, with medical school, it's not like, it's not like say like a like a PhD for the instance where you learn a lot about a little, and yeah. or like in school for the instance where um you learn a little about a lot. It's in medical school you do have to learn a lot about a lot uh-huh, um, yeah. because it's yeah, and and it's you don't really appreciate it until. Uh, you you've actually started medical school but i feel like it, you you you're quite anxious about it before you come into medical school because you've got the the preconceived preconceived idea um uh, of of how much work it's going to be but actually if you know you've got a genuine enthusiasm for medicine you realize that that doesn't actually really the, the 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 whole kind of amount of time that you need to spend studying doesn't really matter because you become so enthusiastic about the subject area itself, that it's a na- the natural kind of passion comes out, and you're able to just sit down and study, and you, you know, for the majority of the time, you don't really notice um, the, the time passing, um, mm-hmm. and it it just becomes a lot more natural and a lot more second nature, and and so you you end up not really thinking about the studying, you just do it. Um, it's just second nature. And, and I don't know if that's the kind of same thing that you've experienced, but I feel like that kind of anxiety just kind of becomes irrelevant most of the time once you actually start and once you actually realize that passion for medicine and it just kind of carries you through medical school
1: yeah definitely. I think I think you're right. yeah. when I first started, I think it was a bit of a shock just how much they expect you to learn and it's like you you don't even get breaks as well. like there's no half turns yep. or anything. There's no like you've got the weekend, I suppose, to catch up on things, but you know that's that's for like relaxing. that's for seeing friends. that's just for like hobbies and stuff. So I don't know. I, I remember I was shocked initially because it's just so much, but. I think as you as you go through medical school, you just realize that like that's the norm. Like you're constantly bombarded with new information, you're just expected to learn it. Um, so yeah, it just it just becomes a norm eventually.
0: Yeah, definitely. And one aspect of, of your medical school experience that I'd be quite interested to to get a bit of understanding of. So when say when you write your personal statement or where you're, when you're in medical school interviews, one what, what of the key things that they always try and ask you about um, or or try to get you to provide your understanding of is the, the realities of medicine, the realities of medical school uh, and, and what it's really like to make sure that you don't have some sort of overly romanticised view of it all and then be in with a shock once you're actually in and then kind of become disenfranchised with it and then end up leaving. So obviously they want to... They they want to take on someone who has realistic expectations um, of what the experience is actually like. What what do do you feel like? How can I put it? So, what are the realities of medical school or medicine? you know, whether it's non-clinical, just, you know, going to lectures in the way that it was in the first couple of years, or clinical on placements, um, you know, almost working normal shift patterns um, as a medical student. What are the kind of the, the real realities that that you've realised during during your time studying so far?
1: Um, for me, I think it's mainly like the clinical the clinical years. So like this year for me, I've realised that I, I don't think I even knew this before getting into medical schools. So this is probably something I've realised now, but speaking to patients and like looking after them, it isn't always like a positive experience. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. I, I, sometimes I shadow nurses or midwives and stuff. Um, but recently on like my, um, I'm on women's health at the moment. So I'm seeing a lot of pregnant women or people who have like given birth and they're just like having checkups and stuff. Um, like I was I was on um, a clinic the other day and it was mainly women who had had miscarriages and okay. um, that was it was quite a, like an emotional experience obviously from the patient's point of view but also from the midwives there and like the nurses there as well so sometimes going into work and treating people it's not always like an exciting thing or it's not always a positive thing it's not always something you look forward to sometimes it's like quite emotional and quite like draining in a way. Um, even from an, like another point of view as well sometimes when I was in a and E, I I remember that was quite like quite hectic quite overwhelming we don't even have like a busy A&E department but compared to like some like GP for example or like mm-hmm. like I don't know a respiratory ward it's just there's just so much going on sometimes you get a bit overwhelmed like I, I don't know I think I have a have a habit of like getting lightheaded and dizzy like sometimes if I'm in theatre even like I'll be under like the light and it's really hot in there and I just I don't I just feel really overwhelmed so yeah, sometimes I don't know. It's it can be quite overwhelming. I think sometimes on clinical placements, there's a lot
0: yep. going on. Definitely, and I feel like you you do get some training on you know emotional intelligence and and self awareness of your own emotions and your own feelings and and kind of how to how to deal with them. But I feel like until you've actually until you've actually seen or the or the experienced particular scenarios with patients on the ward uh, and you actually feel it for real that's that's the only time where you actually kind of gain true self-awareness of of actually how you do feel when when you're put up against those diff- emotionally uh difficult situations uh with patients when you're experiencing those traumatic times with them and you begin to understand the best ways that that you can can deal with them or 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 cope with them um and yeah, I mean I I've definitely experienced some of those situations before and actually quite recently when I've been on the the, the renal ward the, the kidney ward um in in one of the hospitals on placement and actually realizing just how drastically it can uh, you know kidney issues can impact people who are so young you know in their in the thirties or forties or fifties um, and they are you know very very early on in their life um but the and the way that kidney disease progresses, where it's basically invisible until you've reached end stage kidney disease, and you know, in, in a minute, you know, you can you can be with the consultant and the patient when the consultant is telling telling them, you know, before they were they thought they were completely normal, completely healthy, and now they've just been told they've got end stage renal disease, and now they're going to have to go on dialysis and eventually get a kidney transplant, and you're there, experiencing the whole world changing um, right in front of them, and you have to experience that with them. and And it's it's certainly been quite over, quite emotionally overwhelming for me at times, and and I've had to kind of try to hold myself together during the ward round. and And actually, one of the real difficult things or the realities that I've experienced um, is having the the ability to completely put it to the back of your mind while you're doing that thing at that moment uh, and continue with the professional work that you're doing for the rest of the day but making sure that at a time that's that's reasonable and at a time that's that's relevant to you or best for you to then pick that opportunity to try and decompress to talk it through with someone and talk about your feelings and your emotions and and actually have those that kind of Small group of people that that you can divulge all of those emotions to and 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 talk about how you're feeling um, and, and ways to overcome that. I feel like that's definitely been the best thing that's that's helped with me, and it's it's been something that I kind of it's something that I did appreciate before going into medical school, but I don't think anyone really truly appreciates it uh for what it is until you've actually experienced it with someone I don't know if that's a similar kind of is that a similar kind of coping strategy or or de-stressing strategy that 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 you've used so far
1: yeah similar so I I always like talk with my, my friends or um even just my mum sometimes about what I've seen on the wards and I think I definitely believe in a problem shared is a problem half like sometimes just talking things out always massively helps me um from time to time, like my uni, they'll encourage us to kind of write a reflective journal about what we've seen or okay. like a certain case that's impacted us. Um, not like regularly. It's, it tends to just be like once in a while. But sometimes that helps as well just to like write things out. Um, so, yeah. Definitely.
0: Definitely. Um, but I don't want to discourage any listeners. Uh, that <laughs> <thinking that laughs> yeah, it's, definitely not. It's always, it's always you know, uh, like that. And it's always... Uh, mm-hmm very uh you know sad cases or anything like that no th- this is mm. by and large it's always been you know very happy experiences yeah. I feel like I'm always helping people and I'm making mm. a positive contribution to the care of an individual but it's 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 sometimes when it when it does go wrong it goes very wrong for the patient and you yeah. still have to experience that with them mm. um and you know that, and, and that's the thing you 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 stand with patients when they're feeling every single emotion, you know, um, whether it's the highest highs or the lowest lows, um, and, and you have to support them through that. Um, but you also have to support yourself through that. And it's, so it's, it's a mix of experiences and you just have to be mentally prepared and uh, make yourself, train yourself to be mentally robust enough and emotionally robust enough, um, to be able to cope and adapt and deal with all of those, um, that spectrum of emotion. So, um, how have you how have you found placement so far? Have you um, been able to kind of uh, do a lot so far that I'm not quite sure what like the kind of key competencies would be for the, yeah. for the third year in your position right now? But have mm-hmm. you spent time like clerking patients in and, and doing a lot of the clinical skills, things like that?
1: Yeah. My placement generally has been like really, really positive. Like we get, we get a lot of hands-on experience. Sometimes it's like quite, I don't know, like you get a lot, like the patients trust you so much and the junior doctors trust you so much. Like I've definitely done a lot of clerking patients, taking histories from them and like doing a quick examination. Um, so some of the competencies that we have to do um it's a lot of like taking blood cannulas um like blood pressure especially in pregnancy um urine dips mm-hmm. cervical smears um I don't, a, a lot of like random little bits like that um but yeah it's it's very very hands-on like we do quite a lot sometimes you're just running after junior doctors that like you're not doing very much or like in theaters <laughs> you're just sitting in the corner but it's, yeah, exactly. it's quite hands-on usually
0: that's good, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a mix, and
1: yeah, you just need to
0: make <laughs> the most of any situation that you're in, <laughs> no matter how useless yeah, yeah. you feel sometimes. Um, um, that's good though. So, I'd just like to to kind of finish off by asking, well, just kind of getting a bit of more of an understanding about why you created um, your personal YouTube account and instagram account and kind of created that whole kind of community um surrounding kind of medical school lifestyle medical admissions why was it that you decided to create those accounts
1: yeah so my youtube kind of came first i guess and my youtube came as a result of the blog that i started so okay. i think it was kind of locked down like 2020 like April May time um I don't even know I think I was listening to a podcast to be honest I think I was listening to a podcast about like starting a blog or starting like an online um Mm -hmm. thing and it kind of like really inspired me so I decided to start a blog I was mainly talking about medicine and a bit of like other like self-improvement stuff that I was reading at the time and I really enjoyed that I was posting like a few times a week because I had so much spare time with it being locked down and I got some nice messages from people. And I think I realized after a while, that I could probably reach more people and grow a little bit quicker if I started a YouTube. So then yeah. I did that and I was kind of doing both of them at the same time. But after a while, I kind of stopped doing the blog as much just because I was enjoying YouTube a bit more. I felt like there's a lot more you can do on YouTube. It's a lot more creative than just like writing a blog post. Um, so then yeah I did that and I've been doing that pretty consistently every I, put, I try and post every week um and then yeah my Instagram is just an extension of my YouTube I guess so I kind of just talk about my YouTube a little bit on my Instagram um on my Instagram stories I try and like show what I'm doing on my placements and stuff and like share like little snippets of my day obviously with, with everything like confidential I never really show anything kind of on the wards properly it's more just yeah of course a random picture of like a corridor or like me on my lunch break <laughs> and stuff <laughs>
0: Yeah, that, yeah, that's the thing, as, as, um, as sort of like, a, you know, someone on social media who's trying to document, you know, the their life and experiences as a as a, a medical student, um, you, you yeah. are very limited in, in what you can yeah. actually document in, in the way that you document it. So, um, yeah, like everyone that I've seen so far that, that has, you know, some sort of medical related uh, Instagram or YouTube account, they have been very professional in the way that they actually uh, deal with it and portray everything in the way that everything just to make sure that you know it's obviously as, as safe as possible and completely anonymizes any patients
1: mm. yeah definitely and I also um, with my youtube as well because sometimes I'll make like a vlog of like what I've done like on my placement or like a week in my life like that sort of thing um mm. I made sure to speak to like my advisor at university like to check that this was okay like I didn't kind of just start filming stuff at the hospital um because I, I I know that they've had an issue with that in the past so I made sure to check that this is all this is all allowed
0: definitely that's really good and so what's the what's the response kind of been um, over the last what is it two years that you've had the, the YouTube channel yeah um, yeah a
1: year and a half maybe yeah year and a half. I think okay. in the summer it'll be two years
0: okay so what's the kind of response been from, from the community so far
1: it's been positive it's been so nice honestly every, every time I get a new comment or like a message from someone like saying that they found my videos helpful especially right now with interviews a lot of my comments now are like oh I've got my interview on Monday this was so helpful or like you know this was this has built my confidence up for my interview coming up it just makes my day whenever I get like a message like that so yeah it's been really, really, really good. positive
0: yeah that's good that's really nice to hear so I think that's Everything that that I wanted to ask, Christina, um, do you have any any kind of closing comments or anything that, that you'd like to say?
1: I guess just I know applying for medicine can be like a very up and down and roller coaster journey, but everything will work out just just as it's supposed to in the end. Like things might not be looking great at the moment if you haven't got any interviews or UCAT didn't go that well or like you've had an interview that didn't go well. Like you never know what's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, everything will work out just as it's meant to be in the end.
0: Definitely. Completely agree. OK, so uh, I think that's everything. Thank you so much, Christina, um, for coming on the show. I really do appreciate Thanks it. I can imagine, I not know what I can imagine you've got a very busy schedule with, uh, you know, balancing medical school with um, the YouTube account and, and the Instagram and everything else that you're doing. Um, so I do really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, and so for the listeners, if you want to have a look at any of Christina's content either on YouTube or Instagram, um, then. I'll provide a link down below. Um, but our username is is just it's just your name, isn't it, Christina Aliyah? Yeah, just
1: yeah, my name.
0: Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Um, but I'll leave a link down below, and I'll feature the the username in uh, the the main title of the podcast as well. If you want to check it out. Okay. Thank you so much, Christina.
1: Thank you.